Amen. Well, take your Bibles if you have a copy of God's Word, and there's an outline also that you can follow along with us this morning. But if you turn with me to Mark chapter number 2, Mark chapter number 2, or you can turn there with your outline. And if you're able to this morning, out of respect for the Word of God, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, Mark chapter number 2. And uh, again, our theme for the year, those of you that are visiting with us, is been magnify. And every month we've been focusing on a different aspect of the Christian life. And this month, we've been focusing on magnifying the saints. Now, we understand that, that there really is nothing good about us. And if there is anything good about us, it's because of our God. So when we say magnify the saints, it's not to make ourselves something, but we do understand that God is doing a work in our lives. And so I've entitled the message today, Being Friend Day, and this is another aspect of being a child of God, being a saint, is being a friend to those around us. And so I've entitled the message, That's What Real Friends Do. That's what real friends do, and we're going to see that this morning. Now, because we call this plus one day, in other words, bring a friend, my subtitle is four plus one, all right? You'll understand that as we look at this passage today. So if you have your Bible or your notes, Mark chapter two and verse number one, the Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and the he there is Jesus, the son of God. The Bible says it was noised that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive him. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But when there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? But God only. And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the fact that you are a miracle-working God. I thank you for your word and the power of it. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless and use it today. Lord, I don't know about those that are here this morning, those that are listening, but I know this in my heart, I came to meet with you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us 
that you would help us, that you would even convict us if need be. God, that we would be willing to do what you ask of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. Now, this passage that we just read, tremendous passage, it records one of the many miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really about a man that had a need, a great need. The Bible says the man was a paralytic. He was paralyzed, and therefore he was a man like so many today that was dependent on other people. No one, no doctor could heal this man. No doubt he had probably sought out help. Maybe his family had tried to help him, but what this man needed is what the world still needs today. This man needed Jesus. I read in the Bible where the Lord said to Abraham in the Old Testament, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer to that question is what? No, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Job said, I know that thou canst do everything. The Bible says in Luke 1 and verse 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. God can do all things. Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And what this man in Mark chapter 2 that we read about this morning, what this man needed was he needed the Lord in his life, but even beside that, what this man needed was he needed a friend. Or better yet, he needed some friends. And that's what we see here this morning, how this man was blessed to have friends like this that cared enough to bring their friend to Jesus. He couldn't get there on his own. You see this man on the cot, and you see there are four corners. Be kind of hard for three or maybe one to carry this individual, but the Bible says that he was born or carried by four friends. As we read this morning, these friends come to the house that they heard of that Jesus was at. No doubt they had heard of the many mighty things that Jesus had done. Word had gotten out. They didn't have cell phones. There was no internet. Isn't that amazing? Be nice to go back to those days. But the Bible says it was noised that Jesus was in the house. They get to the house and they can't get in. Because the house is packed. The house is full. There's not a room for another individual. They're in there like sardines. And these friends didn't say, well, tough luck. You know, we tried. Oh, well. No, they were determined that they were going to do everything they could humanly to get their friend to Jesus. Now, when you think about this situation, Jesus was there in the house. How could they get in? How could they get their friend who was paralyzed that they were carrying? One of them had a brilliant idea. You see, in Bible times, and there are still in the 
in the Holy Land, there are still houses like the one you see in this next slide that had steps on the outside of the house. And what they would do, if you see those steps there, and this isn't something, this is an actual dwelling place, a, a residence over in the Holy Land, and, and many times they, they had stairs leading up to the roof, and you don't see it here, but, but there were places, the Bible records in the book of Acts, that Peter went up on the rooftop, sometimes they would go up there to get alone, maybe they would go up there to get away from their children. Now, I was going to say go up there to get away from their wife, but I didn't want to be cruel. Some of you men were thinking it. Shame on you. Maybe some wives went up there to get away from their husbands, all right? There you go, ladies. You can say amen in church, okay? But here, here we find a, a place where they thought if, maybe if we go up there. And you have to understand when you look at that picture, this was there's there's no banister, there's no railing. Those are those are, are are real stones that are not manufactured and bought at Home Depot. This required some effort, some energy. They were gonna have to put forth beyond what they even thought, because they thought, hey, look, if we can just get to the house, we can get him in there where Jesus is at. They get there, they can't get in. So the Bible says they took their friend and went up on the roof. Now, you don't see it on the slide, but can you imagine these four standing up on top of a house? Okay, what do we do now? Nobody has any dynamite. Nobody's got a jackhammer. No tools. Just their bare hands. And the Bible says that they literally began to tear the roof off this house. Now, one thing I've always thought about, you know, because people are funny, they're fickle. <laughs> Can you imagine being in that house and it's packed and the material that the roof is made out of and you start tearing the roof off, you know most of it's going to come down in the house. I can hear all the people complaining. What are you doing? You know, most of the people were there out of curiosity. These four friends decided that they had to get their friend to Jesus. And they were going to stop at nothing. Now, when you think about this, in Bible times, houses were made of two different types of roofs. One you see there on the slide, there were beams. And then on those beams, there were sticks that were covered by clay or clay tiles, and then maybe they were covered over again with more clay, and then you saw this picture there that there was sometimes grass on top of that. That's one type of roof that they had. It was man-made roof material. Other roofs, if people had the money, they had clay tiles that were stacked one on top of the other, much like you see down here in South Florida, people having clay tile roofs, and there were some like that. But these were the types of roofs, and these, these roofs were accessible by this stairway on the side of the house. And to get their friend to Jesus, they were going to have to dig through those layers on that roof and get him to the Lord. Now, when they did this, here's the best part. Their friend experienced 
the grace of God. Because he was able to come to the Lord. He couldn't do it on his own. But the result of this, as we read, was his body was healed physically. But even better than that, his sins were forgiven. Thank God for that. I remember 37 years ago when God forgave me of my sins. Say, Pastor, are you sinless? No one is. But I'll tell you this, we're all a work in progress. And thank the Lord for His grace. And I see this beautiful picture here of, of this, this friend and how they, they, these four friends had to get him to the Lord. But listen, none of that, him coming to the Lord, him being healed, none of that was going to happen until they got the clay out of the way. I wanted to illustrate this, so I went to the sunshine store. That's what my granddaughter calls Walmart, the sunshine store. And, uh, and so I, I asked my wife, I said, can you, can you go to Walmart and buy me some clay? So my wife says, well, what color? I said, just natural colored clay. And this is what she came back with. That's white. Now, I will just tell you that it doesn't matter what color this clay is. Here's what the Bible tells us. In the book of Genesis, when God made man, the first man, his name was Adam, the Bible says God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You know what you are today? You're just dirt. I'm sorry, ladies, I'm sorry, but you put makeup on dirt this morning. I'm sorry, it's the Bible, take it up with God. But that's what we are, we're clay. What do we say when a loved one passes ashes to ashes, dust to dust? Where do we get that from? The Bible. Now, we do understand that that's the body. Now, the Bible describes the soul and the spirit, you know, and the Bible says to be absent from the body for a child of God is to be present with the Lord. You see, the body goes into the ground. One day we'll have a new body, the Bible teaches us. But when we think of this passage here and, and how these friends, what was in the way of getting their friend to Jesus was clay. And once the clay was taken out of the way, their friend experienced the grace of God. See, none of us will ever experience the grace of God in our lives until the clay is out of the way. What is the clay? Well, in the Bible, clay is a type of the flesh. Jeremiah said it this way, and the vessel that he made was of clay. The Bible says it was marred in the hand of the potter, so he, the potter, made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. You know what God is? He is our heavenly potter. The Bible says that we are the clay. God is the one who has molded us. God is the one who is making us, and he takes clay. Look, there's no life in this clay. This clay is 
dead. But God can take lifeless clay and he can breathe life into it. God can make it into something that he would get the glory out of a chunk of clay. God wants to work in our lives. That same clay gets in the way many times on things that God wants to do in our lives. And look, God's not going to have his way as long as the clay is there. As long as the flesh gets in the way until the clay of our flesh is uncovered like that roof and the, fl- the clay of our flesh is unbroken or broken up, we can never experience God's power and God's blessing in our lives. But when we get the clay out of the way, we can experience the Lord in a way that is otherwise impossible. And I don't know about you today, even as a Christian, I want God's power in my life. I want God's power on my life. But see, none of that's ever going to happen if the clay is in the way. Those friends had to get their friend to Jesus. But the problem was the clay was in the way. And I want you to look with me this morning at this passage. And I want you to notice what happens when we get the clay out of the way. Notice, first of all, and you can see these four friends. They've torn the roof off the house. And notice, when the clay is out of the way, you can examine the person of Jesus. You see, as they're up there on that roof, they could now see what he was doing. They could not see with the clay in the way. But with the clay out of the way, he becomes more detectable. They they couldn't hear through the material that the roof was made of, but when the material was removed, they could not only look on him, they could hear his voice. He was no longer hidden from view. When the clay was removed, they could look on him. I remember what it was like many years ago when I really didn't know the Lord. But when the clay is taken out of the way, you can see his lovely face. You see, understand that the flesh gets in the way. Notice what Paul said in Romans chapter number 7. He says, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. His testimony here, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? You see, when the clay of our flesh is uncovered, you know what happens? We see it for what it really is. You know what we are? We're all sinners. There's none good. All have come short of the glory of God. We all need the Lord. This man that four friends wanted to bring to Jesus. He needed the Lord that day. And can I tell you that if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need the Lord today too. But you know, I've been a Christian now for almost 37 years. And guess what? Every day I need the Lord. And I see this how when the clay is out of the way, that he becomes more detectable, but sin clouds the eyes. Sin sears the conscience. His friends knew that Jesus could change their friend's life. 
But here's the great thought that I had was, you know what? They knew that before they ever went to that house. In their heart, they knew that before they ever tore that roof off. And I'm convinced some of you today, you have friends. And you too are convinced that Jesus is the answer for your friends to make a difference in their lives. Friend, do you know Jesus today or is the clay in the way? You see, when the clay is removed, he becomes more detectable, but when it's out of the way, he becomes more desirable. With the clay removed, Jesus, as they look down from that rooftop, he became the object of their desire. The psalmist said it this way, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 37, David said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Nothing thrills a soul more than for that individual to be with the Lord. The songwriter wrote these words, You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And that's what this man needed. And there's a clay in the way in your life. Can you see the Lord like those four friends did when the clay was removed? Do you desire the Lord in your life today? You see, when the clay is removed, we can examine the person of Christ. When the clay is removed, we can enter the presence of Jesus. This, this story is, to me, one of my favorites in the Bible because this man was paralyzed. He, on his own, could not get to Jesus. I don't think he ever thought that he would be lowered down through a roof to be with Jesus. But I see those four friends there again. I don't know how much their friend weighed. Could have been 150, 200 pounds. Each one of them somehow physically lowering their friend down into the room. Remember, the room was full. Where was he going to go? Somebody was going to have to be inconvenienced. Do you know that if we're going to live for God and we're going to help our friends come to the Lord, it might be that we might find ourselves having to be inconvenienced. Sometimes church people are really funny because if you look where you're sitting and you look at the chair right in front of you, the back of it or on the sides of it, there's no names on any of the chairs. But sometimes our members, they come in and that's their coveted seat. And do you know what I saw this morning when I walked in here? Some of you are sitting in their spot. Right now, as visitors, you're going, well, I don't think I took anybody's seat. I hope I'm not in anybody's seat. Nobody's upset with you. The people that normally sit there, you just see them at the altar this morning trying to get right with God because there's bitterness in their heart right now. <laughs> but you know, listen, I can't think of a better reason to be inconvenienced than for my friend to know Jesus. 
And so the Bible says here that this man's friends begin to lower him, get this, into the presence of Almighty God. What a thought this morning that with the clay out of the way, you and I can discharge our burden. These, they were able to give. Listen, I, again, I don't know what he weighed, but maybe they were like, glad that's over, you know. You know, look, their friend was physically a burden. Now, again, I don't think it was in a bad way, but they were able to discharge their burden, give it to the Lord. And as long as the clay is in the way, we cannot get a, a, a person or ourselves to the Lord. The Bible says it this way, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know what sin does? It separates us from God. And sin, watch this, sin is an awful master. The burden that comes, I see it in people's eyes every day. A life burdened down with sin. The weight of it. The Bible says if we regard sin in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. But when the clay is, as we see here, uncovered, when the clay is broken up, we can get to Jesus. We can lay our burdens at His feet. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. We know from God's Word, we have access to Him. He invites us. Listen to me this morning. He is inviting you to come to Him. He said it in Matthew 11, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but I guarantee you there are many here this morning that could use some rest. That rest comes in the presence of the Lord. The burdens that people carry. Peter wrote it this way, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. There's never been a friend like Jesus. Whatever your burden is today, you can give it to him. And you know what? You don't have to pick it up again and take it back with you. You can give it to him and leave it with him. And and look, a lot hinges on us being able to get to the Lord, just like this individual. But the clay keeps us from getting to the Lord. See, we find that as we we lower ourselves into the presence of Jesus like this man, we can discharge our burden, but notice we can also discover our blessing because as here they are lowering their friend down into this room, Jesus, the Son of God, is looking up. He sees these friends lowering their friend down into the room to get him to the Lord. I had this thought to myself this week. You know what the Bible doesn't record? That any one of those four ever got to go in and be with Jesus. The only thing they were concerned with was, can I get my friend into the presence of Jesus? And as he came into the presence of the Lord, Jesus commends them. He looks up, sees them, commends them for their faith, and he heals this man. 
God can't bless our lives, folks, if the clay is in the way. Micah said it this way. He says, then shall they cry unto the Lord, and he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. See, until our flesh is dealt with, our life will never be blessed. God does, however, want to bless your life. But the only way he's going to be able to bless it is to get the clay out of the way. Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 6, when you think of so many that, that believe that they are close to the Lord, there were many even in Jesus' day. And the Lord looked at them, and here's what he says to them. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Do you know why people would not do what the Lord asked them to do? Because the clay is in the way. It's all about them. It's all about the flesh. But God wants to bless us. Notice Psalm 24. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Here's the challenge this morning. To get the flesh out of the way in your life. To break it up. To uncover it. So that you, like this man, can enter into the presence of Jesus. You see, when the clay's out of the way, we can examine, we see Jesus for who he is. When the clay's out of the way, we get to come into his very presence. When the clay's out of the way, notice, we then can experience the power of Jesus. Now this man, when he got to Jesus, he experienced the Lord's power in two ways. Now remember, he was paralyzed physically. And I want you to see this this morning, how the Bible says in verse number 5, when Jesus saw their faith, look at the words, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Notice he didn't say, get up and walk. He didn't say, you're healed of your paralysis. He saw the four lower their friend down to him. But he addressed the man. What a wonderful, listen, what a wonderful word he calls him son, a term of endearment. The Bible says it this way, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus sees this paralyzed man being let down into his presence. And the Bible says that he says to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Notice, why did he do that? Because Jesus has the power to cure. I mean, he has the power to free from evil. This man, no doubt, had a physical need. But even greater than that physical need, the man had a spiritual need. 
Jesus went right to the heart of the matter. He dealt with the man's sin before he dealt with his paralysis. Can I tell you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, God already knows everything about you because he's God. You can hide it from your friends, your family, your spouse, but you cannot hide anything from Almighty God. Notice in John 2, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. As a matter of fact, we won't take the time, but this passage we read in Mark 2, the Bible says that they were thinking, they didn't say it out loud. And yet Jesus knew what they were thinking. Right now, Jesus knows that you're thinking about where you're going to lunch when church is over. And you're also thinking about who's going to pay. Isn't that sobering to know that God knows everything about us? Can I give you something even more sobering than that? He knows everything about us and he still loves us. Doesn't that boggle your mind? That amazes me. The Bible says God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Jesus. I see this, how Jesus here, and and look, he had nothing to prove to anyone when he came from heaven to this earth. We celebrate that at Christmas. But as he began to do the work and the will of his Father, the miracles that Jesus did, like this one we're looking at this morning, It wasn't about the miracle. It just validated who he was. Jesus had the power to cure. He knew this man's condition, but even greater than this man's condition was this man's heart. You know, that's what God's interested in this morning is your heart. What's in your heart this morning? But as the clay is taken out of the way in our lives, just like this man, we too, can be cleansed from our sin. You see, spiritual cleansing begins with confession. Notice in your notes a few verses with me from Romans chapter number 10. Look at these words. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, listen, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever, I love that word, that means anyone, everyone. God, there's not a certain group of people certain ethnic group. God loves everyone. The Bible says, For whosoever shall 
call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that's not Bible Baptist Church saying that? That's God who says if you put your faith in Him and you trust Him as your Savior, He has the power to heal you, to cure you, to cleanse you spiritually. No matter what sin stains you bear, the Lord can wash away those sins. Whatever is keeping you from Him, nothing is worth the cost. Uncover and break that clay up this morning in your life. Jesus has the power to forgive you of your sins. Look at verse number 7. They said, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, they had it right. It was God in the flesh that day that was forgiving this man of his sins. Jesus has the power. When the clay is out of the way, guess what? We can all experience God's cleansing power. But I want you to see the second thing that happened in this man's life is not only was the man cleansed from his sins, but notice Jesus also has the power to change. How many of you in your life has has experienced God's changing power in your life? Thank God for that. Look back in Mark 2, look at verse number 10. The Bible says, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Now look back one verse before this. Because remember, they were reasoning about what had happened. What what did Jesus do? And look at verse number 9. He says to them, Is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now, salvation, Bible salvation that we've read about. Salvation takes place, we just read it in Romans 10, it takes place in the heart. When a person trusts Christ as their Savior by faith, you can't really see that because it takes place internally. You with me? We can't see that. But what we can see is we can see what God has begun on the inside and it's manifesting itself on the outside. There's been a great change since I've been born again. So Jesus says to them, well, what's easier? Well, no doubt they could not see that this man had put his faith in the Lord had trusted him as Savior. So Jesus says, look, I'll validate that for you, that I have the power to forgive this man of his sins. He says, hey, to the sick, the, the, the man that was lame, that had palsy, that couldn't walk, he says, look, take up your bed and walk. And look what the Bible says in verse, look at this, verse number 11 again. Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And six months later, when he was strong enough, this man had never walked. 
I've seen a few people, I've known a few people who had something physically happen to them and they had to learn how to talk, how to eat, how to walk all over again as, as an adult. If you stop using your legs, something happens, it's called atrophy. You don't have the strength, physical strength to walk. The Bible says Jesus tells this man, I want you to get up, take up your bed, and I want you to walk. And the Bible says immediately, not not months, days, years, I want you to see the power of God this morning. How the Bible says here, look at it. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all in so much that they were all amazed. And they glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. You know what they said? Whoa, we have never seen anything like this before in our life. You know why? Because they knew how weak and frail And dependent that man was on everyone else. But when he met Jesus, when his friends brought him to the Lord, he experienced the power of God. The Bible says that he was able to get up. Before he met Jesus, he could do nothing. But when the clay was taken out of the way, everything was different. His life was changed. They were amazed. Only God can do something like that. And listen, this morning, friend, wouldn't you be interested in God changing your life? Are you tired of trying to do things your way? Tired of depending on everyone else to make it through life? Why don't you give your heart to Jesus? I'll tell you this, he's the best friend you'll ever have. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? and our eyes closed this morning. You know, I thank God for those of you here today that are a friend that brought a friend. And there's no doubt that your friend needed to be here. And I pray that you have been and will continue to pray for your friend if they need the Lord. Some of you are that friend this morning. And you've listened to this story. I haven't, I haven't added anything to the Word of God this morning. I've just told the story. It's a true story. A, a man that was paralyzed physically. But he was a man that had a spiritual need. Like everyone that's ever been born into this world, he needed the Lord. But there was never going to be a change in his life as long as the clay was in the way. And that roof wonderfully illustrates that until they took the roof off, got the clay out of the way, this man would never be able to see Jesus. He would never be able to enter into his presence. He would never be able to experience his power. And this morning, I want you to think, search your heart. Is your flesh giving in the way of you seeing Jesus.
coming into his presence, experiencing his power. You know what I'm talking about. I lived 20 years that way. I thought I was good. I thought I was going to heaven just because of the good person I was. But the Bible tells us that all have sinned. That's you, that's me, that's everyone. The only person that was ever in this world without sin was Jesus. And that's the whole reason he came and died for the sins of the world because he was the Lamb of God, perfect in every way. And he was the only way that people could have their sins forgiven is to put their faith and trust in him. This morning, as you have thought about this message, listen, we're not here to manipulate. We're just here to give you the truth. And Jesus said in John 8, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you tired of being enslaved to your sin? Well, the Lord came and gave his life so that you could be set free from your sin. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed? If you have a need in your life today, why don't you come at this time? Even if you're visiting, we have what we call an invitation. It's an opportunity for you to come, spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you need to be saved this morning. You say, well, I don't know how to do that, Pastor. We'll have people this morning right here in the front that'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. I wonder this morning, would you be honest with God? Would you acknowledge the fact that you don't know for sure that if you died today, that you would be in the presence of Almighty God. And you know from the Word of God this morning, what you need is you need the Lord. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. Would you raise your hand this morning and acknowledge to God, I need you. I've never trusted you as my Savior, but I, I want to have you in my life today. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm not saved. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anyone else this morning, Lord, I need you. And I want to trust you as my Savior. I see that hand. Thank you. Those of you that raised your hand, would you do me a favor and look this way for just a minute? Did you mean that by raising your hand? Sir, do you mean that? You want, you want to trust the Lord as your Savior? Do you guys mean that? You want to settle that today? Would you guys step out this morning? Can we take the Bible and show you? Would that be okay with you guys? Why don't you come this morning? We have some folks that will come and help you and take you in the back room back here where you can, you can settle this. We have some, some workers that can come and help. Mrs. Flynn, you want to help? Anyone else this morning that would like to settle this? Look, none of us are guaranteed of a tomorrow. 
Wouldn't you like to know that someday heaven will be your home? Do you need to be saved today? Would you come? There's still time. God's grace is still available. Thank you, Jesus.